just kidding. Yeah. Um, so I always, get, I always get so hyped when talking to missionaries. I love hearing about what they're doing, um, what their ministries are doing, what, how things are um, changing around the world because of what they're doing and how the Lord is working. And I think sometimes that I do and maybe we do collectively get a little bit too comfortable with our world around us because it's like our basic life, like it's, it's our world. And we kind of forget to see how God is moving in the world and the fact that he is moving in the world. Um, and an awesome thing about the people devoting their lives to serving the Lord and other communities and cultures is that they get to see God work in ways um, that are probably harder for us to see because we get complacent or we get comfortable and we kind of overlook those things. But missionaries show the heart of God and they show the true love of God. And I think that they show the name of God to, to people around the world as well. And I mentioned specifically the name of God because that's what, kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, we're going to be talking about the third commandment today, uh, the topic of taking the Lord's name in vain, kind of what that means. Um, I'm really excited to teach about this today because I've kind of been doing like some research about in, into this passage, um, and it's kind of exciting, and I don't think it necessarily thinks or it means what many of us probably think it means. Um, we're going to discuss what I think this verse doesn't mean to communicate. We're going to discuss what I think the crux of this um, verses and the command, and we're going to discuss how we can apply it to our lives today. So turn to Exodus chapter 20 in your Bibles. Um, but before we go there, I want to tell you a story about Forrest Gump. Many of you probably know this man, Forrest Gump. He was, uh, he, there's a big movie about him called Forrest Gump. Um, anyway, Forrest Gump dies, and he went to meet Jesus after his death. He got to the gates of heaven to be greeted by an angel guarding the gate. The angel said to Forrest that in order to enter the gate, you have to answer three questions. Forrest said, okay. So the angel asked him, all right, first question, how many seconds are there in a year? Forrest thinks about it for a, for a minute. He goes, hmm, I got it, 12. He says, 12 seconds in a year? Forrest goes, yeah, January 2nd, March 2nd, February 2nd. Etc. Angel goes, okay, I'll give it to you, I guess. It's not really what I was thinking. Second question, how many days of the week start with T? Forrest goes, oh, easy, today and tomorrow. Angel says, okay, you're right, but not really what I was thinking. All right, all right we're going to give you one more. If you get this one, you pass a test. Okay, great. What is God's name? This one stumps Forrest thinks about it. He tries to think about all the stuff in the past that he learned in Sunday school. He tries to think about all the things that he had learned about God, and then it hits him. Howard. How- Howard. The angel says, what? how did you get Howard? Forrest goes, oh, you know the, the verse. Our Father in heaven, Howard be your name. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That was um, straight from the internet. <laughs> All right, so hopefully you're at Exodus chapter 20 now. We're going to be talking about the name, of the, uh, um, the name of God today, specifically what it means to take the name of the Lord in vain. And the first thing I want to do in looking at this verse is to break it down so we can know what's going on. So Exodus 20, verse 7 reads, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 
Read it one more time. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We're going to be focusing mainly on the first part of that verse there. Um, So some context behind this. The Israelites have just arrived at Mount Sinai, where they'll be for the next book and a half, pretty much. Um, They had just received miraculous water and manna from God, providence for them on their journey from Egypt, um, from being set free from Egypt to Mount Sinai, and they camp at this mountain where they'll be for the rest of the book of Exodus. And they have just agreed to enter into a covenant partnership with God. They agreed. They said, God, yeah, we'll enter this partnership. We will be your people. They were already his people, but they said, yes, we'll enter this this, um, covenant. I think it's important to note that God gives them what we're about to see is a bunch of laws in the rest of Exodus and in Leviticus. God gives them a bunch of laws. Um, but he has given them these laws after they've already been set free. They've been um, delivered already from slavery. He didn't give them these, these laws and then set them free, right? So it's, it's kind of like a side fun fact to like today's message is that these, these laws didn't lead them to freedom. They were led to freedom, and these laws came as a result. So I think that's kind of like important for us today when we read these laws. For most people in this this. This verse of taking the Lord's name in vain is the third commandment and that God gives to his covenant people at Mount Sinai, third of the ten, after being set free from slavery. First two are, have no other gods before Yahweh, and the second one is, um, should have no other, don't, don't make any images or idols of me. Um, but I want to look at the Hebrew text for what's going on in this verse. It's originally written in Hebrew, um, and I want to look at the word take. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Hebrew word here for take is nasah. Everyone say nasah. Nasah. So it's, I've heard it, that it's said that it's one of the most easy um, Hebrew words to remember for an American English speaker because nasah sounds like NASA, right? Our space administration, right? That goes to the moon. NASA blasts off, right? Nasah means to lift up or to carry, all right? So you got Nassau is lift up, Nassau, different. Well, Nassau is a city in the Bahamas, but Nassau is, you know, the space. So Nassau, lift up or carry, right? So the word vain it talks about here just simply means empty or meaningless. So another way I think that you could summarize this verse is do not bear the name of the Lord your God in a meaningless way. Do not bear the name of Yahweh, your God, in a meaningless way. Um, and I'm, we're, we're, the crux of what we're talking about today is bearing God's name. So I should have done this before, but before we get into the points, let's pray. Right. Dear Lord, thank you for our day today, God, and we pray that you will um, speak through me, Lord. Open up our ears, God. Challenge us and help us to be open to a different interpretation than what we may know of, of this verse, Lord and just um, help us all to think and consider. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing I want to focus on is what I grew up understanding this verse meant, and what probably some of us too. Um, So I always thought it meant I shouldn't say God's name in an unworthy manner. I shouldn't shouldn't use the word word God or whatever um, in a way that is meaningless, right? And I think that, looking it up, I think that this is probably the most common understanding of this verse, is that we don't use God's name in this certain way, or say God's name in this certain way. 
there are Jewish people that claim that you shouldn't say God's name at all um, and because we're not worthy of it. And Messianic Jews, um, there's, there's others, including people of the Christian faith, maybe many in this room, me growing up until recently would say that like, this verse refers to anything, saying anything related to God that does not give him the glory due his name. There's other people that say that this verse refers to being truthful in oaths and promises. Um, but there's a later commandment that talks about not falsely testifying and not falsely witnessing, and there's nothing actually in this verse that calls out oaths at all. So I think that there's um, merit to all of these viewpoints. I think that God's name is holy and representative of his mercy and love, and we shouldn't misuse it. I think... Um, Got it. I think that using God's name as a cuss word or misrepresenting his name in any way is a thing we probably should not do. That doesn't bring glory to God, which is our main objective as Christians, is to bring glory to God, right? I think we ought to be careful in what we decide to promise or in what we decide to oath, especially if it's central to God. However, I think that this verse has a different understanding that can make more sense in the grand scheme of God's big plan for salvation that can make more sense and fit better with the Bible as a whole. Um, there's nothing actually in this command that even mentions speech. It's specifically talking about carrying or bearing or lifting up the name of the Lord. So it's kind of interesting how this verse has become interpreted almost exclusively to be related to speech, except there's the word name, but that doesn't really like talk about speech at all. So I want to focus on what I've come to believe the meaning of this command is um, a couple of s summaries that I could say would be like, do not bear, remember Nassau, do not bear God's name in an unworthy manner. Do not lift up God's name in a meaningless way. Or even do not misrepresent God in, with our lives as his representatives. I want to focus on that word representatives for a little bit there um, because I want us to, to think about how we are God's representatives to the world. We are God's representatives to the world. And um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to be going a few different places in Scripture today, okay? But I promise I'm going to try to connect it all. So I need you to bear with me as we bear God's name. Got it? Yes. All right. I'm feeling it today. Are you feeling it today? Yes. Okay. So in the chapter before this command, chapter 19, right when the Israelites arrive at Mount Sinai, Moses goes on up to Mount Sinai, and he goes and has a conversation with God, and God tells him, hey, tell the Israelites this. So in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 through 6, we see God telling Moses this. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Okay, so he uses a couple of like adjectives here to describe his, his people. One, a kingdom of priests. We'll get to that later, but I want to focus on the other one, a treasured possession among all peoples. A treasured possession. His people were a possession of him that he treasured. God treasures his people. Now, the, the Hebrew meaning behind this description of a treasured possession can um, kind of express something similar to God's ownership over his people. And 
his covenant people as his possession are representatives of God. That's where that word representatives comes in. There's a, a biblical scholar, Dr. Carmen Imes, who wrote a book about the topic of bearing God's name. She was heavily influenced this sermon, um, and she gave a lot of speeches about it. She compares this ownership or this possession um, kind of like an invisible tattoo or like a branding or like God slaps his name on your forehead, and it's like an invisible tattoo almost, right? So that's how she compares it. And then his people are marked, and then they go on and represent him to other people. Now, a few chapters down the road, in seemingly the really boring part of Exodus, when they're talking about the linen ephod and the breast piece and, like, the headpiece and how it's supposed to be made and worn, right? You know that part? Yeah, so it's actually got really intricate details that are like really involved and kind of pretty cool when you dig into it. But I want to focus on one really cool detail um, that is cool about Aaron the priest bearing some names. So in in a few chapters later, verse 28, 29, or chapter 28, verse 29, Aaron bears the name of Israel over his heart. It says... uh, it says that he bears the 12 tribes of Israel. There are 12 different names of Israel. And he says that it's talking about this linen ephod or this robe that he puts on and it has the 12 names of Israel on his heart. And then a little later, it says that the name of the Lord is inscribed on his forehead from his headpiece that he's wearing. So he's bearing the name of Israel on his chest. He's bearing the name of the Lord on his head. And Aaron is kind of like a model for the rest of the covenant people of Israel. Because remember, in in um, chapter 19, verse 6, God calls them what? He calls them a kingdom of priests. So they're a kingdom of priests. Then they have this one priest, Aaron, as a model for them. Aaron was that first priest um, of Israel. So he's kind of like an example for them. Just like Aaron bore the name of the Lord on his head, they also bear the name of the Lord. And actually in Numbers, in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, the Lord calls for Aaron, the priest, to bless the people of Israel and to put the name of the Lord on them, to mark them. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27, it says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Amen. Anyone? The blessing? Got it. Some of you won't get that. Some of you will. It's a song. Uh, Lord, be, be gracious to you. Uh, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his uh, countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So it's this really common blessing that many of us have heard um, in Church, but that that last verse there, so they shall put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. They being Aaron and his sons. They're putting the name of God on, on Israel. So Israel, a kingdom of priests, has the same responsibility of the priest, which is to bear God's name. They are his covenant partners and they have responsibility to bear God's name in a worthy manner, just like the priest, because God has put his name on them. How are we doing? You guys tracking with me? All right, cool. We're going to move forward. Um, 
We've seen that God has placed his name on the Israelites, so they need to bear his name appropriately. But what about us? I'm not an Israelite. At least I think I'm not. Maybe, like, I am. I don't know. But many of us in this room are not Israelites. So how does this apply to us? Because this passage is specifically talking to Israelites. So where do we fit in? Well, God actually bears his name on four different things in the Old Testament. One is the people, his people, his covenant people, as we've talked about. Then the city of Jerusalem, the temple, and finally, the Gentiles, or the non-Israelites. He bears his name on the non-Israelites as well. We're going to look now at, at Amos, the book of Amos, chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. We'll have it up here so you don't have to turn there. Um, Amos chapter 9 says, In that day I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. It's Amos chapter 9. So this is actually pretty cool. Amos is talking about restoration. So in the beginning of this verse, verse 11, we see it kind of like rubble. We see destruction, and we see about how there's going to be, it's going to be rebuilt. It says he's going to repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. And he does that so that they may possess the remnant of Edom. Who's Edom? Edom, the Edomites are descendants of Esau. Esau is Jacob's brother. Okay, so Jacob is renamed Israel. All of Jacob's sons are Israelites. His brother, Esau, all of his sons are Edomites. So Edomites are not Israelites. But here, they're being called upon specifically. The Edomites are going to be, are gonna be called by God's name. The Edomites. And all nations, he says, all nations. So not just the Israelites, but there's other nations that are going to be called by God's name too. And this actually tracks perfectly with, with 2 Chronicles um, chapter 7, verse 14. It says, um, if my people who are called by my name and um, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, I will um, hear their prayers and I'll heal their land. That one's a pretty common verse, right? But it's talking about if my people, well, who are my people? The rest of 2 Chronicles is talking about bringing in foreigners, bringing in sojourners into the family of God. So it's not just the Israelites that, that this passage of taking the Lord's name in vain is talking about. It's all those who say, yeah, Lord, I want to bear your name. I'm going to bear your name. I believe in you. I'm going to follow you. It's we collectively can become a part of the family of God. The apostle Paul in Acts chapter 15, he's at this place called the Jerusalem council. So in Acts chapter 15, Jesus has died. He, he rose again. He went up to heaven and People are really confused now because we got Israelites who want to like follow the customs of the law and we've got new people who want to believe in Jesus, but they're not Israelites. So how do they come into the family of God? There's this whole big um, conversation, kind of like an argument about what's going on. How do these Gentiles get into the family of God? Well, um, that's kind of what Paul talks about in Acts chapter 15. He says that... um, it's not any different. The situation hasn't changed. They can bear God's name as well. They don't have to do all this stuff in the law, but they can just enter into to God's kingdom as well by wanting to bear his name. Just like in 2 Chronicles, just like in Amos 9, like other people can enter God's family as well. And we, 
are included in that. That brings, us, that brings it to us. We are marked with God's name. If we choose to follow God, we're marked with his name. We get that invisible tattoo slapped on our forehead or our arm or wherever we want to have it slapped. Um, we, as non-Israelites, ought to bear God's name as well in a way that represents God in the best way that we can. We need to bear God's name in a way that brings him glory because we're marked with his name. So Jesus teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, in the Gospel, in the Gospels. Um, he teaches, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Not Howard. Hallowed. Hallowed be your name. So when we pray this prayer and when we live it out, we are hallowing, revering, or bearing the name of God. When we pray the prayer, hallowed be your name, you're saying, yes, God, I know you marked me, and I want to bear your name. I want to lift it up, and I want to show others in a way that's worthy of you. We're taking part in that same bearing of the name that the Israelites took part in on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai thousands of years ago when they first said, yeah, God, we'll be your people. We'll bear your name. We're doing that same thing when we pray that prayer. Hallowed be your name. I'll bear your name, God. When we do this, we are marked with God's name, with that invisible tattoo, and we don't have to belong to anything else that the world offers. In the Revelation, there's a call out to the mark of the beast where it says, it's kind of like a, a mirror scenario to the mark of God's name. Those who bear the name of the beast will take the mark of the beast rather than that of God. And in the end, it's those who bear God's name who will spend eternal life with him. If we bear God's name, if we, if we allow it to be marked on us and we're bearing it, that's, um, those are the people that will, will get eternal life because of the sacrifice of Jesus. It's, it is through the sacrifice of Jesus that we have had this name placed on us. Without a sacrifice of Jesus, there's no, there's no name to be placed on us. But because of that sacrifice, we have an opportunity to have that eternal life. And he is the perfect representative of God and the perfect example of somebody who bore God's name in a worthy manner. He bore God's name um, in a worthy manner, and he did not take the, names Lord, uh, the name of the Lord in vain, ever. Didn't bear it in vain. Even as he hung on the cross, not only was he bearing our burdens, not only was he bearing our sins, but he was bearing God's name on the cross. He was marked with God's name. He bore it. It's actually like right above his head, right? The Son of God. He bore God's name at that time, in the most horrific time in human history. Jesus was bearing God's name. And we can bear the name of God because of that sacrifice. We get to bear the name of God and be a representative of him to others. We have that name of God. We can show others that name of God as well by Jesus' example and his sacrifice for us. Are you thankful for that? Yes, we get to bear the name of the Lord. It's an amazing gift. It's an amazing grace. Now, I want to talk about, um, so we talked about kind of what um, I grew up thinking it meant, what I think it means, and um, kind of how it, it implies us as a part of bearing God's name as well. But I want to talk about what this means for us. And I think it means that we have a responsibility 
as part of God's creation, but also as a people being marked with his name, just like the, the Israelites back at Mount Sinai, just like the, the Edomites, just like the Gentiles, right? We have a responsibility to bear his name. And God does not want his name to be profaned. In Ezekiel chapters 20 and chapter 36, um, they discuss how Israel profaned the name of the Lord. And that set them back lots of years. That put them in hard times. They profaned the name of the Lord, and then they um, were led into slavery. They profaned the name of the Lord, and then they had to wander 40 years in the wilderness, and the generation got to miss entering in the promised land. They profaned the name of the Lord, and then they were sent into exile, right? When we profane the name of the Lord, it's just an endless cycle that happens in the Bible. It happens in our lives, too. And when we profane the name of the Lord, it, the exact opposite of what God wants to happen will happen. So let's not be a part of that cycle, that cycle that we see over and over and over again in the Bible. Um, like, in, I'm thinking in the book of Judges, like, they have all these judges where they ask for someone to come save them, and then the the judge comes and saves them and then they like rebel and they profane the name of the Lord and then they get in trouble again and they ask, we need a judge again and then it happens again and then they fall back down and then they say, we need another judge, right? So that continually happens over and over and over again because people who are supposed to be bearing the name of the Lord are actually taking his name in vain and choosing not to bear his name. So um, Casey and Nate, you guys can come back up. So let's stop that constant cycle of profaning the name of the Lord and that's as shown as in the Bible and in our world today. But how can we represent the Lord? How can we be his representatives, the ones who are marked with God, the ones who bear his name? How can we bear his name? How can we ensure that we don't take the name of the Lord, our God, in vain? Well, I can think of plenty of ways, but the things that I'm going to say, there's still... Countless other ways, too. Because what really matters when we're bearing the name of the Lord is where our heart is. If I, thank you. <laughs> if, I, if I go and I say, and I say, yeah, I'm going to do Royal Family. I'm going to do the foster teen camp. I'm going to do the mentoring, and I'm going to do it all. But I do it because I want my serving checklist to be checked off. Or if I say, I'm going to go join the worship team because I have a great voice, and I want everyone to hear my voice. That's not bearing the name of the Lord. That's bearing your own name. And we need to bear the name of the Lord. So how do we do that? First, check your heart. Is your heart in the right spot? Second, once that's in the right spot, get involved in church. I know many of you already are. We would love to have you come down in kids. Let me just tell you that. If you're looking for a way to get involved and a way to represent the name of the Lord and bear his name, come help us out in kids. I'm sure Nate would love to have, to have volunteers on Wednesday nights with that rowdy bunch, right? Um, I'm sure Lisa would love to have some more people on her usher team. Casey would always love to have more people on her worship team, right? We got fun, new, exciting things that we could think of too. Like, we don't have to, to stop at what we currently have. There's tons of ways to get involved at our church. Another opportunity, seriously, go talk to Mike and Shell about this royal family. It's such a cool opportunity. You guys will not regret it. Um, it's it's going to be the best week of your life if you go there. It's Honestly, it's like a, it's a missions trip. If you've never gone on a missions trip because you don't want to go overseas or whatever, do royal family. Do the foster teen camp for, for three days instead of five days. Like, what's stopping you? 
If you're looking to bear God's name and to bear it to people who don't know God's name, that's an excellent opportunity. There's other charitable organizations, ministry organizations, um, missions organizations not part of our church. Seek them out. Don't just settle for, I'm going to hear about God's name. I want to learn more about God's name. But actually bear God's name. Because if you're not doing that, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. You're not bearing his name. And that's probably hard to hear, but that's like the truth of what I think that third command is saying. Bear the name of the Lord. Take it up in a way that's not in vain, in a way that matters, in a way that's not meaningless to others. Here's a great way. Support our missionaries. We got this faith pledge that we're asking for. Consider it. Prayerfully consider it. Because those people are giving their lives to bear God's name in, in places that people don't know God's name. So they're going out and they are truly bearing God's name and not doing an invade and showing it to others. But they can't be there because that's their, they can't be there without support because that's their, that's their job for many of them is to bear God's name, right? And contributing to them financially is not just donating. It's not just throwing money. It's investing in the kingdom of God. It's investing in their work. It's partnering with their ministry. It's not like any other money you'll ever spend. Investing in our missionaries is the best way, not the best way, but like it's an excellent way to bear God's name. You are participating in that ministry and in everything that they do. So when so when we have the Gariscos or when we have the Moors or when we have like the Jacksons come in and tell us like, here's what God's doing and you're supporting them, like that is work that God is doing through your gifts. It's an excellent way. We are God's representatives and we need to represent him well. So let, let him lead you in how he would like you to represent him. Think about that. Pray about it. The thing I try to te- teach down in kids' church every week is um, that God has a plan for you. And for them, it, I, I say, you're never too young for that plan to start. God's plan starts now, right? Maybe you don't know what that plan is. That plan can start today, right? It can also start five years from now. Should you choose to say, I'm not ready, or no, God, I'm not going to do that, Right? It can start whenever you are willing to say, yes, God, I'm willing to to bear your name. And maybe you're following that plan. That's great. Continue to do that. Seek the Lord for how your skills, your strengths, and your life can represent him and do it well. And seek how the Lord can help you bear his name so that others can see it too. Not for your glory, but for the glory of God. Amen? All right. We're going to do one more song. Prayerfully consider what that looks like. How can you bear God's name? Are you taking it in vain? If so, like, that's okay. The Lord is a forgiving God, a loving God. He can help you figure out how he can do that. And I don't want this to be something that, like, you have to, like, overwork yourself or stress you about because I don't think that's what God's saying here. Are you bearing it in a way that's not meaningless? Taking it in vain means meaningless. So just prayerfully consider that now as we sing this song about his name this week as you're thinking about these faith promises. How do you want to contribute to God's kingdom? How do you want to bear his name?